Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks, breaking down the latest in reality TV and pop culture. Hello, how's it going? How you doing? We're staying booked and busy. I've had quite the week. If you're listening on Thursday, today I'm going to my first ever Bravo Leb live show. I guess you should say former Bravo Leb live show because I'm going to see Stassi Schroeder in the Mommy Dearest Tour tonight at the Agora in Cleveland, which I'm the type of person where it's like, I first of all, I want to see what they do at these live shows because I don't really know <laughs> what they do. Um, second, I, I can't have any past Bravo Lab or current Bravo Lab come to my city and not like try to stalk them at least a little bit. But at the same time, I really prioritize my sleep and my life. And if you know one thing about me, it's that I wake up every day at 5 a.m. and this show starts at 8 p.m. <laughs> which for me might as well be a death sentence. So send your T's and P's my way that I make it through the live show that I don't fall asleep. Cause like nine o'clock I'm normally out cold except on survivor Wednesdays. And apparently when I go see live shows. So not only that, right before I jumped on here to start this podcast, would you believe me if I told you that I booked my wedding date? Well, I haven't paid the deposit yet, so really anything could happen. Um, But if you've been following along, you know that David and I were actually supposed to get married on August 18th of this year, but uh, visa stuff is horrific. It's hell on earth. It is the bane of my existence. We still don't have his visa yet, but we are getting close. I'm in all these Facebook groups, like these visa support groups. And I'm seeing a lot of people that filed at the end of March and early April of last year starting to get approved. And David and I filed in May. So we're closer than we've ever been. And, you know, when we had originally booked our first venue, we love the venue so much. Um, and it's a popular venue in the city of Cleveland. So we didn't want to lose it. So essentially within the past week, I've been emailing back and forth with the lady that we were talking to before. We had a list of I think four potential dates um, because David's family is in South Africa and we were trying to make sure that his nieces and nephews were on summer vacation. So there were really only four weekends next summer that uh, we could do and three of them were already booked. So keep your fingers crossed. 
I mean, we're like going back and forth right now. So literally the only thing I have to do is pay the deposit. And when I do, we'll be getting married on June 28th of 2024. Um, the big hoopla of it as I hate Howie Mandel. The amount of times that I have said a hoopla since the Tom Sandoval interview, it's like ingrained in my brain now for some reason. And I have to use it as an adjective and I don't like it anyways. Also this week I got in my first ever fight with a Bravo celebrity in my DMS. That's a story for the Patreon. Uh, I did tell it on Monday on extra pot because I can't be out here blabbering away putting everybody on blast, but I did tell the story on the Patreon page. So if you want to subscribe to that, if you want to support your girl and her journey, the link is in the show notes, but let's get into it. We have lots to discuss today. First things first, the pop three. These are three of the biggest headlines in pop culture and reality TV. We have a Don't Worry Darling 2.0 situation on our hands with Sydney Sweeney and Glenn Powell. Obviously, you remember the Don't Worry Darling behind the scenes uh, filming and the press tour was a complete and total disaster because of the love triangle between Harry, Olivia, and Florence Pugh. Although some people would say it was genius because it got people to talk about the movie and what have you. So Sydney Sweeney and now Glenn Powell are in the same situation. Rumors are circulating that they're getting close while filming this new rom-com. It's called Anyone But You. They're filming in Australia. So there have been clips of Sydney and Glenn getting like comfortable, like comfortable floating around on Twitter. There's like videos of her like on his lap and leaning over and laughing <laughs> and like just being very touchy feely. And we're like, hold on a second. Sydney Sweeney is engaged and Glenn Powell has a girlfriend named Gigi Paris who has unfollowed Sydney Sweeney on Instagram and posted breakup music on her Instagram stories. Sources with direct knowledge tell TMZ that there's no funny business going on between Sydney and Glenn. Um, reportedly, Sydney is still engaged to her fiance. His name is Jonathan Devino and is not dating Glenn Powell, even though we see the videos of them just laughing and having the best time of their life in Australia. We see Gigi unfollow Sydney and post breakup songs. So who knows? My conspiracy theory, this is the new PR strategy. Don't worry, darling. It's like a handbook on how to promote a movie. You want to get people to watch your movie? Make them think you're in love. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper on A Star is Born. Harry, Olivia, Flo for Don't Worry, Darling. Never forget Angelina and Brad for Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Obviously, they ended up together. But my conspiracy theory is that this is all just... I almost said hoopla. Screw you, Howie Mandel. I almost said hoopla. Let's move on to headline number two. We're getting some teases from the Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion. I've heard the words unhinged. I've heard the words chaotic. Um, I've heard that Andy Cohen almost left the building because it was so chaotic. So I got all this information according to um, Reality Blurb. Um, they said the reunion was chaotic. There was a point that Jacqueline Larita gets brought up and Teresa Judice reveals that Jacqueline told her that Joe Gorga would speak to Joe Judice's ex-partner 
and he is part of the reason that Joe Judice went to jail. Jacqueline had confirmed to Teresa when they reunited that Joe Gorka was speaking to Joe Judice's business partner who was suing Teresa and Joe at the time. So also you get these interview clips from Andy and he's saying, um, there's a lot of new uh, pieces of the puzzle that get brought to light. That would definitely be one of them. Um, the source also said Andy had asked Teresa if she believed what Jacqueline was saying. Teresa told Andy that she did because her brother hated Joe Judice and that maybe he didn't mean to hurt Teresa, but he hated Joe and that's why he did it. Joe deny, deny, deny. And he says he always loved his former brother-in-law, Joe Judice. They continued, Melissa Gorga and Teresa Judice would not stop going at each other. Even when the segment was about other housewives, it always came back to Melissa and Teresa. Tensions were so high because Melissa Gorga and Teresa Judice have not spoken or seen each other since the beginning of August. Andy didn't even ask any questions about the fight that broke out with Jennifer Aiden and Melissa and Joe Gorga at BravoCon. So this is what happened at BravoCon. Apparently, they were in the lobby of a hotel. Words were being exchanged. A drink was thrown. It was a big deal in the streets of New York back in October. So the fact that they didn't even get to it says something. Uh, the insider says they are 100% done talking about Teresa and Melissa. Teresa has never went in on Melissa like she did at this reunion. And it was because when they had problems, Teresa's parents were alive and she wanted to keep the peace and not escalate it when things were already bad. With Teresa's parents gone, she is tired of the lies and narrative being controlled by Melissa at her expense. Teresa told Annie that she is 100% done with Melissa and Joe, but wishes them well. One thing about the Jacqueline of it all is that remember those pictures broke the internet and Teresa, Teresa posted a picture of her and Jacqueline on her Instagram and was like five hour dinner with Jacqueline. So maybe that's where this was all uh, brought up. Andy, not confirming these claims, but like I said, saying it was a disaster. Andy said the gloves were off. I've never seen anything like it. And the way the two of them were going back and forth, it was that thing of neither wanted the other to have the last word in any petty fight. He says, I almost walked off at one point and that there was a moment where he turned to Teresa and apologized to her. He says, I didn't yell at her, but I think I lost my crap with her in a way that I haven't met maybe ever. According to Andy, like I said, there were a lot of new allegations being made and there was a lot of new material from both Teresa and Melissa. I'm so over Teresa Judice and Melissa Gorga, both of them. I'm like, please, for the love of God, just shut up. Let's move on to our third and final headline. Bonus Vanderpump Rules scenes are shaking the Bravo sphere when it comes to the scandal. Obviously, I hate my recording schedule when Vanderpump Rules is on because I haven't watched the latest episode, but I heard the last 15 minutes of this episode are wild. But last week, um, this we're starting to get little snippets of Tom and Raquel's romance. It's starting to play out on Vanderpump Rules. You know, you had Allie in the last episode say she saw them dancing together at the Abbey. You have Katie, you know, say to Sandoval, I think you enjoy Raquel too. And he's like, no, dude, you know, whatever. So there's the scene of the Toms being at Sir. Raquel was their waitress. She sits down in the middle of them. That conversation between Sandoval and Raquel about what Katie is calling her. And they're like, no, you're not that. And secretly it's like, 
not to be rude, but if the shoe fits, Lisa kind of like clocked Sandoval too. She gives those death stare dagger eyes where you, Lisa knows all. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Lisa was like a descendant from the heavens, you know, because she just seems like she knows everything. Um, but there was this deleted scene that wasn't in last week's episode that a lot of people are talking about. Um, it was of Ariana, Tom and Raquel. It was in Mexico. They definitely were not sober, um, but they're in the pool together. All three of them, they're taking selfies and they're like, don't post this anywhere. We look like a throuple. And Tom Sandoval is glaring at Raquel in like the most sexual way ever. It's really uncomfortable. It's like, like, I don't even, the word that I want to say is predatory. I know that's not the right word because she was a willing participant, but like the look he was giving her was like when a cheetah sees its prey and it's about to pounce or run the other direction. It was really giving that level of sexual tension. And I mean, it's so uncomfortable, especially when you consider that Ariana is right there in the pool with them. Major icks all around. Today's sponsor is Factor Meals. Finally starting to get warmer. You want to spend your time outside and not in the kitchen. With Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Visit factormeals.com slash poptalks50 and use code poptalks50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. You can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash poptalks50 and use code poptalks50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code poptalks50 at factormeals.com slash poptalks50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I don't know if you noticed, Tom Sandoval has been a lot more active on social media lately, um, talking about his upcoming concerts the new lighting that he got for his stage, rock climbing and wherever the heck he is. I think he's in Arizona, which is also like, why do you keep going to Arizona? Because that's where Raquel and her family live. There you have it. Pop three. Now let's get into the deep dive. We're going deep today. Every week on the Instagram at Morgan P Talks, I open up the deep dive submissions to you. What do you want to know more about? What can you not get enough of? More love is blind mess. Surprise, surprise. This week, our deep dive question comes to us from Courtney. Hi, Morgan. This is Courtney from Omaha, Nebraska. My deep dive submission is for the love is blind legal drama. What is going on with these past contestants? And are the Lachey's getting fired? Love the pod and love you like a sis. Courtney, love you like a sis. Okay, let's start with who is suing. So this actually started with a guy named Jeremy Hartwell, who you probably have never heard of before. And he was on season two of Love is Blind, but he was not featured at all. And the first article that I found about this was actually from July 14th of last year, 2022. So this has been going on with him 
for quite some time. Um, and now you see Nick and Danielle, who were also on season two, both start to speak out. So like I said, Jeremy, we didn't see him on the show, but he is charging them with a string of labor law violations, including fostering inhumane working conditions and paying cast members less than minimum wage. There's a reason why he did this, which we'll get into um, in a little bit. But the lawsuit alleges that Love is Blind producers plied the cast with alcohol and deprived them of food and water while paying rates that were below Los Angeles County's minimum wage. The suit filed in California Superior Court in LA names as defendants Netflix, the production company Kinetic Content, and Kinetic's casting company Delirium TV. So Jeremy was on Game of Roses podcast this week, and he said that he he read the contract, and there were a couple of troubling clauses, some red flags, um, but that some of the clauses he didn't even believe were legal or enforceable um, as somebody who has a background in contract management. Um, but some of the reasons why you haven't seen any of these lawsuits until now is because of the arbitration agreement that was in the contract. So arbitration is a way of resolving a dispute without filing a lawsuit and going to court. So anytime someone had an issue or they would report abuse, you know, these arbitration clauses kind of seal up the complaints away from the public so that they're not dealt with officially, you know, in a court of law. So that's why he did a violation of California labor law with how the show classifies employees, which reality stars, believe it or not, fill out W-2s. So because they were violating a state law in California, arbitration didn't apply in this scenario. You got it? So it was pretty much just that's how he got the door open. And now the floodgates are about to come through. So he was talking on the Game of Rose podcast about um, what he called liquid liquidated damages um, of $50,000. And Danielle Rule mentioned this a lot in her Instagram videos, which we'll get to in a second. So basically, they had this $50,000 dangling over their heads. And what it was is a recovery of one party for the other party not performing the duties they had agreed to. So either going to the altar or leaving the show before producers give you the green light to leave. And for any reason, um, like to leave for any reason, whether it's you don't want to be there anymore, your mental health, whatever. Um, there are some levels of justifications to that, right? Like you can't just have a contestant leave because they don't want to be there anymore. Like there has to be some merit to the reasons why they want to leave. In Danielle's case, it was a mental health emergency, you know, according to her. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, you know, Hartwell said, you know, first day they put you in a room, they lock you there, they quarantine you for 24 hours and said, if you come outside of this hotel room, $50,000 fine. So a little bit of intimidation tactics there. It's not out of the ordinary. We've heard this with bachelor contestants, bachelorette contestants. Um, you know, you do have to quarantine. It's kind of just the Im intimidation factor of it that makes it a little icky. But um, he also claims he spent several days recovering from the effects of sleep deprivation, lack of access to food and water, and copious amounts of alcohol that he was provided. This is a quote from Jeremy. He says, the combination of sleep deprivation, isolation, 
lack of food, and an excess of alcohol, all either required, enabled, or encouraged by defendants contributed to the inhumane working conditions and altered mental state for the cast. At times, defendants left members of the cast alone for hours at a time with no access to a phone, food, or any type of contact with the outside world until they were required to return to working on the production. So that's the gist of what Jeremy was saying. And Danielle also posted some stuff to her Instagram this week about what she went through. So she was sharing her experiences and she first details the psych evaluation. And I want to give a trigger warning because we are going to talk about self-harm because Danielle is pretty open about uh, suicidal ideation and her past with her suicide attempts. So we are going to discuss it. But she said the psych evaluation was a 30-minute screening, and in that screening, she had discussed her past suicide attempts and traumas, and she said, you know, looking back, she probably shouldn't have gone on the show, but she thought this psych eval, like I passed, you know, why wouldn't I? And I think hindsight is twenty twenty. There was a lot of people in the comment section like, well, if you were in a bad mental state, that's on you for going on this show, but maybe she thought she was okay. Like, you know, wouldn't you trust a mental health professional? Wouldn't you trust your psych evaluation to tell you whether or not you could handle this mentally? It's like, she she didn't know, and we'll get into this more in a little bit, but, you know, you think you're going on this reality TV show where you're going to potentially find the love of your life and it's a science experiment. You're not necessarily anticipating the fact that you're not going to sleep or eat or drink water. So, I just don't like that argument that people make. Um, There's nothing like the feeling of being confident in your own skin. It's something that I have struggled with in the past, which is why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best with no complicated routines, no multiple step protocols, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. Right now, I'm using the OS1 Eye Topical Supplement to help strengthen and firm the skin around my eyes. So far, I've noticed it has improved hydration and improved firmness. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code POPTALKS at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code POPTALKS. After your purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. Please support the show and tell them I sent you because I love you like a sis. But she also said that she, um, the producers would bring up her past traumas to trigger you, to get an emotional reaction out of you, which leads us to this big scene in Mexico. And I remember when I watched season two, we were all kind of confused about what was really going on with Danielle and Nick in, in Mexico when they get in this fight. Well, now we know why. So Nick and Danielle were supposed to go to the couple's party. It was the first time that they were going to meet everybody um, else that got engaged on the show. So she was already having anxiety and then she got really sick and they told her, well, there's a potential that you could have COVID according to Nick, despite having two negative COVID tests. So they were like, Danielle, because you're sick, you have to stay in the room alone. Nick, you have to go to this couple's party. And he was like, I don't want to go without Danielle. I don't want to leave her here. Her anxiety is really starting to, you know, get the best of her. She's sick. Um, And essentially production 
really pushed him to go. And he said, okay, I'll go if a producer stays outside the door so that if anything bad happens to Danielle, because at this point too, Danielle had told Nick about her past suicide attempts and her trauma. So he was, he was really concerned about her and her well-being and her mental state. So there was one particular producer that they both really liked that they felt had their back, that they felt had a good moral compass in the situation. And he says, can this producer stay outside her door? And I think, I think the way that I interpreted the interview, they agreed to that. Nick came back. The producer was not there. And that same producer ended up quitting the show because of what was going on, according to Nick. So Nick comes back in the room. She didn't want to film, but Nick was miked. She was not. When Nick realized what was going on and that it was a little bit of a setup by production, he got angry. He took off the mic. He threw it at producers. Um, and you know, they were like, we're leaving, we're out. She can't handle this mentally. She's not well. And he said the first thing they did, and she said on her Instagram, they get all of the producers in the room to try to convince them to stay. And my thing is if somebody tells you point blank that they're having suicidal ideation and the immediate reaction from the producers is not to get them in contact with a mental health specialist, that's a red flag in my opinion producers are not therapists. They're not mental health specialists. So that to me also is just um, a little bizarre. She and Nick said that they didn't have access to food and water, kind of backing up what Jeremy said here. The way they described it was in Mexico, um, you had to order room service through the TV. They did it the first day. And then the second day they unplugged the TV. So there was no way for them to order food and water. So then you have Amber Pike who was on season one, who married Matt Barnett. Yes. His first name is Matt people. Can I tell you how many people are ripping me a new one? They're like, his name is Barnett with you and your fake news and your misinformation. No, his last name is Barnett. His first name is Matt. Anyways, Amber this week too was in her comment section saying that her and Matt are together in spite of the show and not because of it. Um, They don't watch the show. Somebody asked, would you go to a reunion if you were invited? She says, I told them to stay away from us. So there are multiple people having really bad experiences with this. And there's two sides to this argument, right? Obviously, everyone deserves to have proper food and water and sleep, regardless of if you're on a Netflix reality television show. Other people are like, well, you signed up for this. Did they? Did they sign up for sleep deprivation, no access or not adequate access to food and water when they needed it? No, they signed up for a reality dating show to potentially find the love of their life, maybe get a couple Instagram followers. I mean, who knows? Everybody that goes on these shows knows they have the possibility to walk out of this thing being an influencer. But would they have signed up for the show if they would have known the mental torment that they were about to go through? And this is par for the course in reality TV land. I mean, you shoot through all hours of the night. You know, there's always alcohol involved. It's like nobody's pouring it down your throat. But if it's there, you know, nine times out of 10, a lot of people are going to drink it. Think back to limo entrance night of The Bachelor and how you see when these girls are leaving after the rose ceremony, the sun has already come up. And it's it's really textbook reality TV that they 
do all these manipulations to get you to lose your mind. Why? Because it makes for good TV. I'm not saying that it's right, but I'm saying people do it. 100% they do it. And not only that, when things play back, it's never an actual depiction of what the reality of the situation was. It's pieced together. There's a narrative that they want to enforce. And it really doesn't matter what you actually do. They're going to tell the story that they want to tell, no matter what you're no matter what you actually do. And so also something I found interesting that Jeremy Hartwell said in this interview uh, with Game of Roses is that if you speak out about maybe um, something that wasn't aired, that could change the narrative that they're portraying, you could get in trouble for that. So for as much as you want to say like reality TV isn't scripted, it might not be scripted, but it's definitely manipulated. And I think the more um, that this stuff comes to light, producers and production companies are going to have to stop treating people like animals to get good TV. So anyways, um, let's move on to another little tidbit here of Love is Blind, and that's about the Lachey's. Are they getting fired? Reports came out this week that Lauren and Cameron Speed could replace Nick and Vanessa. Um, There is a Change.org petition to get them fired. 41,000 people have signed it. Look, I'm not going to start a change.org petition. I'm not even going to sign it, but I do make videos on the internet. So like, can I really tell these people to go touch grass? I probably should too. Um, A source or, or a show insider said to the Daily Mail, from the initial season, the hosts felt pretty useless and out of place. They seem to be much more concerned with directing as much attention at themselves and their personal lives rather than focusing on the contestants that are actually participating in the experiment. I could not agree more with that sentiment about Nick and specifically Vanessa Lachey. And I think that's the biggest problem. And I think it's been the biggest problem with them since season one. I'm, And I know that as a host... They're just trying, they're trying to relate to the contestants, but they can't, they just can't. And you don't have to say, well, Nick and I went through this and Nick and I went through that. And even with this live reunion, the way that Vanessa treated Paul and Marshall with, you know, her apparent personal biases, a host's job is to remain neutral, to ask the important questions, to get to the heart of a situation. And I just feel like these two have really never done that in other season two news. Ayana has confirmed that Jarrett cheated on her. And that's essentially what broke them up. She did an Instagram live saying that she found out about the infidelity because the woman emailed her with receipts, with pictures. Um, She did say that they were incompatible, but the cheating sealed the deal. And last but certainly not least, Marshall from this season is in a new relationship. I believe the woman is named Shay, who we were first introduced to through an apology Instagram stories from Marshall. He was apologizing over some resurfaced tweets from when he was a teenager. And in the last slide, he says, um, and lastly, I want to apologize to Shay. You've been sidelined by me too many times, never again with a heart, something along those lines. And that kind of had people being like, are they dating? Like, what does that mean? But now there's been some leaked footage um, from season four filming after the altar and they were spotted together. So there you have it. Your 
legal deep dive of what's going on with Love is Blind and another few tidbits. For final thoughts this week, let's talk about Summer House. Um, the reunion tapes today, Thursday, if you're listening on Thursday. And from what I have heard from people who have watched the last couple of episodes, which there's only, I think, four episodes left, four or five episodes left, um, the next episodes are intense cringy, um, even more so than, you know, screaming into a pillow. I would not be surprised if at this reunion, Danielle and Lindsay um, did not reconcile. I don't think that they're going to reconcile. This week was clearly Lindsay's worst episode of the season. And I think if Carl had stuck up for her in the argument with Kyle earlier in the season, this fight might have not happened to this magnitude. Um, What I think got lost in translation with Lindsay in this argument is Lindsay feels like she is always the bad guy. And she's like, wait, why did Carl get off the hook with Danielle? But I'm not off the hook. It's the Trace Amigos. But Danielle's not mad at Carl and she's only mad at me. And I think she's always on the defensive because she kind of has to be. Like, you know, and they even have that sit down conversation with um, Carl, Lindsay, Kyle, and Danielle. And Kyle, of all people, is like, you're not the bad guy, Lindsay. And it's like, well, that's funny because four episodes ago, it was all Lindsay's fault. And so I think you can't look at it as um, isolated incidents. I think, you know, coming into the season and having Kyle say all those things about her, you know, that she is the reason that Carl and his working relationship with Loverboy isn't working out. And she is the reason that Kyle and Carl aren't as close. So you have that. And then you have Danielle have this conversation with Carl where she's like, oh, yeah, we're good. I still have issues with Lindsay, but we're good. And she's like, why is it always just me? Like, like, why can't Danielle be mad at the both of us for our relationship, all three of our relationship changing? But I think that Lindsay going off on Carl, I think her anger is a little bit misplaced. And when it comes to Danielle, I think the entire landscape of this feud would change. Um, Maybe if she did a little bit more self-reflection, and, and I'm sure that she has done self-reflection, and I, I don't really want to like psychoanalyze her, but we're going to. It kind of seems like Danielle is clinging on to the way things were, you know, because there's a bunch of different things in her life that no longer feel the same whether it's her situation with her job or her situation with Robert or her situation with Carl and Lindsay, it kind of feels like she feels like she's getting left behind, you know, so to speak. And I think that feeling is manifesting itself in, in anger and frustration, Or I think if the approach would be maybe a little bit different from anger and frustration, that people would be more receptive to it because she's hurting. You can tell that she's hurting. And I think I would like to think that a best friend, whether it be Lindsay or or Carl, would have empathy for her best friend hurting because she feels like she's getting left behind. Um, But the whole thing is just not being communicated correctly from, in my opinion, from either sides. And both of their stubbornness is really showing like, you know, both of them don't want to budge. And that's why I feel like it's going to be hard for them to move on because neither one of them 
want to give a little in the situation. Um, even if they do reconcile, I don't think it will ever be to the level of friendship that it once was. Um, when it comes to the rest of the house, you know, celebrating that Carl and Lindsay are having an argument, I I actually question the authenticity of what is presented in that scene. Because like I said, producers want to write a story. They have a narrative that they want to, you know, keep up. So are they really sitting there celebrating the fact that they're having a fight? Or is that a scene that's taken out of context and dubbed over? Who really knows? But if they are rejoicing in this fight between the two, like how hypocritical, especially from Kyle and Amanda, who you saw, you know, Kyle one season ago crying to these girls because they were expressing concern to Amanda about getting married and how bad it hurt Kyle to have people around him questioning him and questioning their relationship. And if this scene is to be believed as it's portrayed, how hypocritical is that? Kyle, who has walked a mile in those shoes, you know, to turn around and put some of his closest friends through the same scrutiny that he was so upset about when it was done to him. So who knows? I mean, I know Summer House has been really tough to get through this week uh, or this season, but let's look at some positives. I love Sam. I love Corey, which (laughs) I wasn't expecting to love Corey. I really like Gabby. I think um, they're starting to sprinkle in some city scenes. So I think, I think they're listening to us because, you know, them only hanging out in this house for the weekends is not really working anymore. They're growing up. They're not in that stage of life. So I think we are going to start to see that shift in summer house where more scenes are filmed in the city and at housewarming parties and maybe birthday parties and not just strictly tying it to the house. Um, So fingers crossed that we get a good reunion, that there's some reconciliation. I mean, I know Amanda, Kyle, Carl and Lindsay were all in Ireland last weekend for Everett's wedding. We'll say some fences were mended, not all, but we'll see if the reunion will fix that. I'll give you more tea on the Patreon page. How about that? Because there's another reality star that slid into my DMs this week for a really strange reason. I'm going to tell that story on Extra Pop or maybe Pop a Batch. I'll sprinkle it in there. So make sure you're subscribed to the Patreon page. Pop a Batch every Friday, Extra Pop every Monday. Leave a review. Oh, by the way, forgot to tell you, Sam Fair herself joining MPT next week from Summer House. So keep it on the docket. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss that episode. And we'll see you back next week. Love you like a sis. Bye. A Huda Media Production.